Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We'll be joined by the CEO of WellAware, Matt Harrison. And of course, my co-host, Data Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, will be joining me shortly as well. But first, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which the cover is the CEOs of Moda Midstream, one of the largest midstream companies in North America. Very, very interesting company, very, very interesting story. There's actually three owners of Moda Midstream. So it's an issue that you definitely don't want to miss out on. For more information and to read the issue, please go to shellmag.com. That is spelled S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And you can read all about it. And there's also other very interesting and great articles to read. So for more information, please go to shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and read the latest issue of Shell Magazine. And I'd also like to tell you about an upcoming mixer that we are hosting, Texas Energy Advocates Coalition in Midland, Texas. That's scheduled for June the 2nd, 5.30 to 8.30. For more information to get tickets or sponsor the event, please go to shellmag.com and click on the banner ad, or you can just look us up on Facebook, Shell Magazine or in the Oil Patch Radio Show. And by the way, if you haven't liked our Facebook page and you want to keep up with all the latest things, uh, the latest, no, all the latest issues of Shell Magazine, where is Teak meeting for their mixers and or who's going to be on the upcoming show of In the Oil Patch, please be sure to like our Facebook page. It'll keep you up to date on everything that's happening. And now it's time to welcome on my co-host and the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. It sure is. You know, uh, we've had some very interesting things happen as of lately in the oil and gas sector. Uh, prices are going up. Uh, pipelines are under attack. Yeah. And we're having executive orders again being signed. Just another crazy week <laughs> uh, for the oil and gas sector. But let's talk about the big topic this week, which obviously was Colonial Pipeline's cyber attack. Talk to me about the impacts of this attack on cyber terrorism. I mean, uh, we've We've, we've had this discussion amongst oil and gas folks for about 10 years now, yeah. and uh, it, the time has finally arrived. So talk to me about yeah. it. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, it's a very significant thing. I know the media early in the week was trying to downplay the impacts, but really already on Tuesday, we had long gas station lines in the northeastern states. Colonial Services uh, provides most of the gasoline supply uh, along the Atlantic seaboard. And, and, and also is a heavy contributor to gas supply for states like uh, Georgia and Alabama, Mississippi. And, you know, the gasoline is loaded into the pipeline at the Houston Ship Channel from a variety of refiners, and it goes all the way up the coast to, to New York Harbor. So when this thing gets disrupted, it really impacts the gasoline supply for the whole eastern part of the United States, and it's over 50 million Americans living in these 17 states. So it's a big deal. You know, uh, hopefully by the time this show airs, Colonia will have the pipeline back in service. That's 
what they were saying, you know, that they thought they'd have it in serve back in service by Sunday. Uh, hopefully that will be the, be the case and, and the impacts will be minimized. But, you know, I talked to several different security analysts and, and they were all telling me that, um, you know, if this thing goes past this week, then the impacts would not only, you know, increase uh, prices for gasoline along the East Coast and, and diminish supply for, of gasoline along the East Coast, but it could spread nationally. And, you know, that means it's a big deal. It's a big deal for the whole country. And we saw the Biden administration, as you said, issuing executive orders, declaring a state of emergency in those 17 states. And, um, and the president himself talking about it at numerous news conferences. So it's, this is a big deal, regardless of what the New York Times says about it and some of our uh, media outlets here in the state of Texas. It's a big deal when this happens, and it's a big deal for all of us. You know, it, it brings me back to, you know, maybe 10 years ago when I first started in the oil and gas, you know, reporting on it. But there was always a discussion of terrorism at the pipelines yeah. and at the refineries and how right. uh, are they prepared? Are they vulnerable? And um, to look at it and see that this could potentially happen to uh, any pipeline uh, company, we should all be paying attention and, and working with, I guess, our government agencies to make sure that uh, these pipelines and refineries have a really good, I guess, mechanism in place to avoid them being uh, sure. uh, you know, bullied by cyber and, and taken down similar to... Well, um, and you're right to be be concerned about the physical security of these 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 pieces of infrastructure. Yeah. You know, most pipelines, the, the vast majority length of, of any pipeline is in rural areas. There's no security. Yes, it's underground. I understand that. But you're out there in the middle of nowhere, uh, miles and miles of unprotected pipe that could be, you know, potentially hit by terrorists. Uh, compressor stations, big compressor stations typically don't have armed security around them. There's no requirement for that. And so far, hasn't been a real need for it. But uh, there is security at refineries, but these are very huge installations that occupy a lot of land. And it's hard, you know, it'd be hard to really lock something like that down. So it is vulnerable. Uh, and then you have the, the oil tankers that bring in 35% of our daily supply. Here in the U.S., there's no security around those oil tankers. And, you know, it's just a, it, it's a more dangerous world. It's becoming increasingly dangerous. And we have to think about these things, unfortunately. Yeah, that's true. I mean, look at, look at what happened in 9-11. No one thought that that would ever happen. But this exactly. is a vulnerable, vulnerable uh, area. And we should be paying attention to it, especially working with uh, cybersecurity experts to make sure that they don't get hacked. Yeah. Let's change gears just a bit and talk about uh, the media, of course, is now blaming the high gas prices on the disruption <laughs> in the colonial line. But the prices had already been rising. We've talked about this for about a month now that it's kind of been going up and down. So just more speculation of uh, speculation to just give sure. them something to write on. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, gasoline prices, my God, uh, before this thing hit colonial, the gas price for, for a gallon of gasoline at the pump was already up 80 cents since election day. This right. is nothing new. Right. Uh, gasoline prices have been going higher ever since the election. And I've, we've written repeatedly about that at Shell Magazine and talked about it repeatedly on this radio show. So it's nothing new. And yeah, you know, we're going to see efforts by those in the news media to say, oh, gosh, 
Colonial Pipeline Cyber Attack caused these high gasoline prices. It has nothing to do with the Biden policies. No, it has everything to do with the Biden policies. And, you know, we need to all keep that in mind as we see this kind of propaganda pop up. And let's talk about that, because there were two executive orders that were signed. One was to state uh, an emergency on the Colonial Pipeline in the the states you discussed, but there was also another executive order to shut down the Keystone Pipeline. (laughs) What the heck is the deal with why don't they understand if you're blaming (laughs) high gas prices on pipelines and you're, you know, one stroke of the pen, you're making a national emergency or you're creating a national emergency for Colonial uh, Pipeline in those states, but you totally remove an an executive order, the Keystone. Talk to me about yeah, well, think about which states are being most impacted by this. It's Pennsylvania, it's New York, it's New Jersey, it's Connecticut, it's Massachusetts, it's Rhode Island, all blue states up in the Northeast. Well, on the other hand, Keystone was going to come down through Montana and Nebraska and Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas, red states in the breadbasket of the country. There's no question that these executive actions by Biden are politically motivated. Uh, the, the Keystone XL order was a payoff to the environmentalist community. We all know that. There's no question about it. And this, you know, emergency, suddenly we all have our hair on fire about Colonial Pipeline because people in the Northeast who voted for Biden are going to be paying high prices for natural gas. So, yes, there's definitely a, a political factor in all of that. Well, elections have consequences. Let's switch gears in Texas and its legislators yeah. then, and their meeting currently right now. Let's give me an update on the state's electrical grid. Are they mm-hmm. making any headway on this issue? They are. Uh, they're going to have, there will be, I think, legislation. I think everyone believes that the bill uh, sponsored by Representative Patty that would require winterization of some of the power plants. Um, that failed during the crisis in February will will pass and be signed into law by Governor Abbott. What seems less likely to pass is any legislation mandating the building of new reserve baseload uh, capacity on the Mm -hmm. system, which as we all know, and is very crystal clear, we have a shortage of baseload generating capacity on the Texas grid. And if we don't do something to mandate the building of more of it, we're going to be continue to be vulnerable, even with these plants weatherized, we'll still have a shortage of capacity when when we have these big freeze events. Just wait to see what happens in July and August when the 100-day heat across the state hits and uh, see all the the notices from ERCOT about emergency warnings due to lack of capacity that you're going to be receiving, folks. You will. It's inevitable. We need more capacity. The legislature needs to do something to mandate it because the power generators aren't going to do it unless they're forced. That's reality. And that's what I'm afraid the legislature is going to ignore. So we'll we'll just see. Hopefully um, our listeners get on the phone, contact your elected official and demand that they look at baseload capacity in this session. And maybe Governor Abbott will call an extended session if if need be. Who knows? And there is discussion in the works about doing a special session in the fall to to do more things. So hopefully the governor will follow through on that. Yeah, because this is just absolutely necessary. Well, David, that is all the time we have for this segment. And when we return, we will be joined by WellAware's CEO, Matt Harrison. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kim Bilotto. 
wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. As a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetic Surgery. I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number is 210-614-4320. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim within the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. Time to bring on our guest, the CEO of WellAware, Matt Harrison. Matt, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Kim, thanks for having me. We're, we're excited to be here. Well, you know, we are excited to have you too, Matt, because, you know, when we discovered your company and we started to do a little bit of work on the type of company you guys are offering to the oil and gas in the way of technology and other things that oil and gas companies should be paying attention to, to meet the, the new demands of the future, your, your company rose to the top. So let's start with that. Tell us a little about what WellAware is and a little bit about your role with the company WellAware. Yeah, you bet. Well, um, Matt Harrison, I'm the founder and CEO. We started the company uh, about eight years ago with the vision and the goal of helping the energy sector get better visibility and better results into really hard to reach assets. And, and that's really continued today. Uh, we work with upstream, midstream, downstream companies, oil field service companies, and increasingly we're, we're getting into other industries as well, other heavy industries like water, wastewater, you know, and, and infrastructure management. We're headquartered right here in San Antonio. Uh, we have folks all over the country and, uh, and play in pretty much every, every of the major oil and gas fields across the country. And our goal is, is really just to help companies get better visibility, better results into the assets that matter uh, and, and protect their folks along the way, help them achieve better financial results, better safety results, and ultimately um, make their companies more sustainable. Matt, when you and I spoke preparing for the interview, we had a, I had a discussion with you and there's a lot, an array, uh, an array of different products due to the software that you offer that can handle ESG, energy transition, financial assets. Um, and you said it can accommodate upstream, midstream, and downstream. That's a lot you're handling. So you're not only helping the oil and gas industry in financial gains, their assets, technology, uh, how do they uh, better prepare or work closely or to uh, align with the ESG that they have created for their mission and for their company. So I'm going to start breaking this down a little bit and, and drilling into it. Let's start with the financial gains of, of what WellAware is. So let's start there. Tell me a little bit about how WellAware, right now it's all about 
cost savings for an energy company to survive. So I want to start there because that seems to be the most important. If you don't have money, you don't survive. So let's start with that one. How how is a company dealing or, or working closely with Wellaware in the in the financial gain area, or how would a company utilize you? How are you helping a company be successful in that area? Yeah, great great question. And it it does seem like we we have a, a broad set of applicability when you list it out as we play in upstream, midstream, and downstream, and we do. Um, each one of those industries is extremely um, complex in nature uh, and very distributed, maybe with the exception of the, the refineries and the downstream space. But um, these are assets that sit really in remote locations and uh, they have key machines, pumps, motors, compressors, power generators, pressures, temperatures, levels, and flows that, that basically make the production of hydrocarbons and the movement of hydrocarbons possible. What Wellaware does is we go in and install on all those key assets and we just make it so easy, uh, simple and powerful for our customers to gain visibility into the data they need to accomplish new operational outcomes, new financial outcomes. So you asked about the financial piece of this. I'll give you a few examples. Uh, many of our customers have used the technology and the, the increased data sets that Wellaware delivers to them from the field to, to optimize the way they deploy their, their team members. Um, they're minimizing trips to the field. They're using our technology to change set points and to optimize pumps and to optimize machines in the field without having to send somebody out. We're sending people out still, but when they go out based on Wellaware's information, they know before they go what they're gonna see. So they may be doing a scheduled maintenance on a compressor or on a pump and they're prepared. They don't have to go out and, and see what's happening and then call out another call or call out another service appointment. They're rolling out onto site with the information they need ahead of time so that they can fix the problem. That is worth not only a lot of money, but that's a safety improvement. That's a governance improvement. That's a, a carbon footprint improvement. There's lots of different ways um, having better data from machines and sensors into the field can translate into real quantifiable value for our customers. Hey, Matt, um, this week, uh, Secretary Granholm, uh, the Energy Secretary, uh, advised, advised a group of industry executives that they're going to be forced to diversify their businesses in order to survive. Um, my belief is that, and it's what the industry has always done over 170 years, is, is that the real key to the industry survival is, is not diversifying into becoming wind companies or something like that, but to innovate and, and innovate through technology uh, and adopt technologies that drive efficiencies and help them adapt to this constantly changing and rapidly changing world. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? David, those, those are great questions. Uh, I tend to agree with you. I think, I think technology is uh, completely underrepresented in, in the energy sector. Um, the energy, energy sector is so key to our country and in energy independence. It's made up of some of the best people in the world, some of the best companies in the world. Um, it, it plays such a vital role, not just in in fuel, which is what most people think of, but in every underlying process and, and product really that is built uh, in the US and, and globally. So I don't, number one, believe that the energy 
industry, the hydrocarbon industry is going away anytime soon. What I do believe is true is we're very much moving into this energy transition where there's an opportunity for energy companies to become much more technology enabled, uh, much more efficient and even more sustainable. And I want to, I want to caveat that sustainability with, you know, the oil and gas industry is great stewards. They're great stewards of the environment. The last 58 years have seen tremendous advances in those areas, but technology can help take another major leap forward with this industry. And so, yeah, I do, I do believe that hydrocarbons are going to be around. I think there's a significant opportunity for oil and gas companies to leverage technology in a way they never have before. And, and, you know, and, and a lot of that technology is, is made available through what we as consumers have experienced. Exactly. Now, Matt, you brought up energy transition. We've been listening to you in the Orpatch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. And we're back. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Uh, David and I have caught up with Matt Harrison, the CEO of WellAware. Matt, before the break, we were talking a little bit about WellAware, the overarching mission and what you guys do to help efficiencies and uh, technology in the oil and gas sector. We let off with energy transition. I know David has some questions on the energy transition. David, go right ahead. Sure. Yeah, Matt, uh, you did, you, you know, as we were closing that segment out, you did mention energy transmission. I think before we get too deeply into that subject for our listeners who may not be familiar with w- what that means, talk a little bit about, you know, all this discussion around the uh, energy transition that we are supposedly in and, and kind of describe what the basic thesis behind that is so everyone understands. Yeah, absolutely. Energy transition is just the, the call on the you know, oil and gas industry in particular and hydrocarbons to move to a carbon neutral footprint over a certain period of time over the next few decades. And, and so, you know, it, it's fundamentally going to be made successful through the, oppor- you know, for the opportunity, you know, in oil and gas companies to basically monitor what they're doing from a from a carbon perspective, from a methane release perspective, et cetera. And then, you know, to transition to quote unquote more sustainable or, or cleaner operations, which oil and gas companies have made tremendous progress over the last few decades in, and there's more progress to be made. Right. Technology can play a role there. Um, but also to to leverage, you know, some of the more green and sustainable, you know, technologies that we're starting to see in solar and wind, et cetera. You know, when, when we talk about that, I think one of the big aspects of this, and it's this huge issue confronting the industry, I, I think it's probably more impactful than government regulation. Because what's one of the big drivers behind this, and you tell me what you think about it, is 
is coming from big investors in the banks that that finance a lot of oil and gas projects. I mean, that's really kind of what's driving the so-called ESG movement. That that's a big part of this transition, correct? It is, and and what's happening is they're voting with their dollars. And so you've seen yeah. a mass amount of, of Wall Street capital move out of oil and gas companies just in the last couple of years. Uh, I think the opportunity for oil and gas companies is to say, hey, wait, we play a very important role in the energy economy of the United States. And, and number two, we do it in a very responsible, very safe, very sustainable, very environmentally friendly way. Technology is going to be the thing that enables the quantifiable results of those stories that end up in sustainability reports and headlines for you know, the largest oil and gas companies out there. And, and so I think we have a, a pretty big opportunity as an industry, as an energy industry, to re-educate the financial markets and Wall Street on how efficient and how sustainable energy actually is and can become. You know, another big driver of this, I think, is, is, is exports of both LNG and crude oil. You know, now our producers here in, in America are, are accessing these international markets and aren't they getting a lot of pressure from international com- countries to, to reduce their emissions so that these you know, end users in the European Union can say the natural gas, the LNG we're buying from America is actually uh, responsibly produced. Isn't that also one of the big drivers here? And that is a big driver and it's actually a significant opportunity for oil and gas companies. So we think there's going to be new commodities created, which is, you know, comparing quote unquote legacy natural gas to clean, sustainable natural gas. And what's going to be required to quantify that new clean, sustainable natural gas as a new commodity where you can capture potentially even a higher price for it is detailed monitoring around the entire value chain of how that gas was produced yeah. how it was ultimately taken to market, how it was you know, liquefied and then ultimately transported to its final destination, wherever that might be. But that is, that's actually a significant financial opportunity you know, that, that's, that we're beginning to hear of in, in the oil and gas space, uh, yeah. new commodities. Yep. Well, you know, Matt, you, you bring up a, a great point, which is the whole entire value chain and how do you prove to your investor, stakeholders, media, no company wants bad PR that they're actually lowering emissions or they're doing great work pertaining to clean, sustainable uh, energy was the buzzword you used. When we get back from break, I wanna kind of talk a little bit about ESG and how companies can manage that. And then of course the technology that that WellAware is, is, is working with some of the largest energy companies on the planet of, uh, of how they are able to take what you guys are doing and utilize it to help their company become clean energy, if you will. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com.
And we're back. You're listening to In the Woolpatch Radio Show. Our guest today is Matt Harrison, CEO of WellAware Company. Before the break, we were talking a lot about clean energy and how companies can really take advantage of the technology that is in existence right now to be able to document that they are actually doing a great job in the way of clean energy. But David, I know you had some questions on ESG. Take it away. Yeah, well, I mean, let's just start, Matt, uh, by, by just giving you a chance to kind of talk about just generally the kinds of solutions your company offers uh, to oil and gas companies to, to enable them to, to meet the demands of this, this new ESG-related pressure, just in, in general terms. Yeah, you bet. And if, if ESG is a new three-letter acronym to anybody, let's just unpack that real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, environmental, social, and governance. And if it's the first time you're hearing it, I can assure you it won't be the last. And, and so exactly. this, this is part of the sustainability, you know, um, under undertone that we're hearing a lot more about in the energy space. ESG and sustainability are, you know, top board, to uh, board topics and conversations in every major energy corporation today. So how do you leverage technology to get to ESG results? Well, you do that by getting much better visibility into your assets in the field. And once you have that, you're able to change operations so that you can protect your people, which is an improvement in safety and an improvement in, in social governance. You can, you can improve your cybersecurity, which is a major governance related issue. Uh, you can monitor and mitigate greenhouse gas, uh, methane releases, et cetera, through better, vis you know, better, better monitoring and visibility into the places in which those gases are, are created and, and released historically. And so those become, with the right technology, those become quantifiable results that you can begin to build stories around and share with investors and, and capital sources on Wall Street on how your company is, number one, very concerned about sustainability and in ESG, and number two, making investments to move your company forward in those areas. Water is another major, major yeah. topic as well around ESG. Let's talk a little bit about the water part of this because oil and gas, and David, I'm sure you agree, have always been known for uh, users of fresh water, and then of course they produce brackish water and then uh, there's been controversy around there of how they dispose of that water. Your, your company also can manage that the water component of it. And I want to get into that because I don't think that uh, companies really uh, understand the efficiencies that they, can, that they can actually offer in that area. Yeah, you bet. Well, there are incredible water midstream companies. There are many oil and gas companies that have built their own water transfer and management systems. What WellAware does is we help monitor that infrastructure. So we monitor for leaks. Uh, we help with the chemical treatment of that water, turning it from, you know, brine water that could, you know, create scale and ultimately cause a failure within that pipeline. We eliminate, you know, that scale by treating it with with chemistry as needed. Um, we are we're treating the water that's being disposed into the ground, so it's it's neutralized um, before it's actually reinjected back underground. And so these are just examples of ways that we're helping our customers, number one, monitor their freshwater usage, uh, monitor their recycled water usage, but also optimize the way 
they treat that, that water, the way they reuse it, uh, and, and help them become much, much, much more valuable stewards uh, of, a, of a resource and water that's limited. And particularly out in a lot of the areas in which oil and gas is prevalent, like in West Texas and Eastern New Mexico. So again, WellAware is providing the same level of visibility through technology into key assets like water management for oil and gas as well. Matt, so, so much of the discussion, the public discussion we see about the energy transition and the ESG specifically uh, tends to revolve around corporations, right? Because of their reporting response requirements and, and their, their involvement you know, uh, with institutional investors uh, in owning the shares of the company. Uh, but, but in reality, because of the demands of end users uh, for, uh, uh, around these ESG concerns, this is also equally important to privately held companies, isn't it? It is, it is. And, and those privately held companies are still capitalized by yeah. you know, privately, pri private capital sources. And, and so those, those private equity firms, those, those growth equity firms, they are also driving you know, much more specific narratives and requirements around you know, double bottom line performance. They wanna see financial results. They wanna see sustainability results. So that's not something that's changing if you've got a private capital audience or if you've got a public capital audience, you still have the responsibility as an energy company to deliver on both of those financial and sustainability results. Yeah, and, and I think again, I, I know we've talked about it, but the goal here, the way to do that is to get visibility to build awareness all the way at the field level of your assets so that as a company, you have much better visibility into what's going on. And when you have much better visibility, you can then make much better decisions that yield better results for your company. Another big concern I know is the reporting aspect of this because, um, you know, companies have, you know, they obviously they pretty much all the sizable companies now file annual ESG reports. But, you know, I think they're under increasing pressure to be able to report their progress on these goals and, and the progress that they're making in real time. And I want to give you to, to, you know, an opportunity to talk about that and how your company helps, uh, helps these companies be able to, to report their results more frequently and even in real time. This is an area where there is a major gap in the energy sector. And there's a reason for that. It, it's historically been very, very difficult to get high resolution, real-time data from very remote assets and infrastructure uh, where you don't have things like guaranteed cellular coverage or even power, reliable power in some cases. So it's been very difficult for the industry to, to achieve this, but technology continues. Technology has made that possible. So, you know, it, it is, it is definitely an opportunity going forward for oil and gas companies to improve the amount of visibility they have on their key assets. I really like the idea of Tesla. I'm talking about Tesla. Tesla is an amazing company. They, they built electric vehicles. Um, they've got an incredible visionary in Elon Musk. I would argue the reason Tesla has emerged the way they have is because their cars upload a, a gigabyte of data, each car, each night. And so they're using that information as a company to change everything daily in real time. They're redesigning the roadmap. They're, they're changing the way their cars are designed, the way they perform. They're, 
they're ingesting this incredible amount of data and they're using that data. Hey Matt, uh, I'm afraid we're up against the hard break here. You're listening to In the All Patch radio program and we'll get back to that in just a moment. Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And we're back. You're listening to in the Wolf Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Matt Harrison, CEO of WellAware Company. And I want to get back on the topic of uh, climate change, but I also want to try to understand a little bit about WellAware and how the, the the energy sector utilizes it. Because when we talk about data, big data, many many companies, uh, some of your companies that are the, the major Chevron, etc. How do they utilize WellAware? Is it is it easy to just bring WellAware in and and take existing technology? Um, and utilize it in the fight against climate change, if you will, in that whole focus? Yes, well, great questions. So let me just unpack it real quick. Uh, many, many oil and gas companies have some kind of monitoring, um, some kind of SCADA, uh, DCS or PCS infrastructure today. Um, one of the big trends in the industry technology-wise is that those legacy enterprise software solutions are moving into the cloud, into a data lake type format where that data is more available. It can be consumed by many different users within the oil and gas companies. And that's a really exciting trend that's happening right now as we speak. AWS, our key partners making tremendous success in in that area. But what they're finding is when they look inside of that data lake, uh, it's pretty murky. There's not a lot of good data. And that's because the data that they just consolidated, well, it was pretty limited because it, it came from a remote location. So where WellAware plays a role is we do, Kim, like you were saying, make it very easy for companies to leverage their existing infrastructure, their existing equipment, and put WellAware out across any make or any manufacturer and get a high resolution, secure data set that's real time, like David was talking about earlier. And with that information now flowing into a data lake, that then gives many more people to consume that level of information, not just operations or IT, but even you know the HSE teams within oil and gas companies, the marketing teams, the you know the financial teams. There's there's a tremendous opportunity with oil and gas companies to increase the level of data they have, and then therefore the level of insights that they can gain from that data. And so WellAware is very specifically playing in the field on helping oil and gas companies get a lot better data into those those central repositories, the cloud instance, the, the data lakes that they're building today. Can we drill down into that? Like, give me a visual. So we have a Conoco or a Chevron. They have spent a lot of money already in, in capital in their own technology, in their own data gathering. What, is, what do you guys do to come in? Do they have to, you know, throw all that out or get rid of all that and purchase something <laughs> new or... You know, I think it was very interesting how adaptable WellAware is that it can take existing 
um, data and just kind of put a blanket over it and collect all the data in a very concise way, correct? That's it. And, and you know, you're right. There's been a tremendous CapEx investment. Um, I would argue that, you know, large oil and gas companies, they don't necessarily want to be experts in deploying pieces of hardware and maintaining them that collect data. That's not their core business. Their core business is finding hydrocarbons, bringing them to the surface and moving them around and processing them. Um, what WellAware can do is help oil and gas companies leverage that existing CapEx investment and sit, we sit on top of any make and model. So if you've got equipment out there from Emerson or Siemens or Schneider Electric or ABB or Yokogawa, you can normalize the data coming across all those different pieces of infrastructure and you don't have to buy them again. And you don't have to pay for the hardware that WellAware deploys out in the field because we, we are a managed service. We sell a data service, bringing that data back to our customers and we align ourselves with the information that, you're, that, that our customers want to see, which is great data. They want the insights from that data. And we found our customers are more than happy to pay for that when we're in there helping them leverage their existing capital investment and get much more from it going forward. You know, it, it occurs to me, you mentioned uh, the, the environment, health and safety departments within companies a minute ago. You know, and they, they've always been viewed as this, and, and I, I worked a lot with those groups when I was in the industry. They've always been viewed by upper management at basically as, as being basically a cost center, right? They're overhead. I mean, and it is the more I learn about what your company does and what other companies are doing in this space, it seems to me there may ultimately even be an opportunity here to kind of uh, shift the, the management view of their EH&S departments not not so much as cost centers, but drivers of, of potential profits. Uh, what are your views on that? 100%. And in fact, if you look at, it's a, it's a great, great comment, David. If you look at a lot of the ESG committees that have been formed inside of oil and gas companies, HS&E plays a significant role in that. And so, you know, th this is the tail wagging the dog type of opportunity for HSE, you know, departments and, and team members. Um, you know, their number one objective is to keep the, the company operating safely and, and you know, and, and sustainably. Well, you can't put a price on human life. That remains the number one priority. Taking yeah. care of the environment and taking care of our operations and how we, how we govern those as companies, very much an important number two priority behind that. But technology does play a very significant role for HS&E departments and, and broad, more broadly ESG, like we've talked about in the past in helping take trucks off the road, move to more management by exception, eliminate windshield time, which by definition eliminates accidents and fatalities and insurance claims and really, really nasty things, exposures to environments that people don't necessarily need to be in. If you have information from your machines that are telling you, hey, I've got this condition, it's not safe, I need to shut down. Well, maybe that wasn't a, an H2S exposure that technology helped you prevent, right? I mean, this is what we're talking about. This is how you get into the specifics of, of how technology can play a role. And, and again, the industry is, has made steps in automating their machines and sensors, but they're, they're woefully behind as an industry where they should be given the available technology that's in the market. Yeah. Exactly. And Matt, with that, I want to, well, first of all, we're, we're at uh, the end of our show. Just where can a... Listener, I mean, energy transition and collecting this data for ESG purposes, safety, uh, 
the technology you guys uh, possess to help with assets overall, you know, asset control and gains, you know, efficiency. We've discussed all this in the show, but I want to, you know, tell us, tell our listeners where, if they're interested in learning more about WellAware, where can they uh, go to find your company? You bet. Uh, Easiest place to go is our website, Kim, which is just wellaware.us. We do have ESG, sustainability related solutions there. We've got a lot of our production management, asset integrity, uh, and, and just better data collection solutions that we've talked about on the show, all available right on the website. You've heard, obviously, in my tone, I'm passionate about this. I love this industry, and I, I love helping our customers uh, achieve better results. And so uh, it's, I think we have a great opportunity here to, to you know, dramatically advance one of the most exciting industries we have, which is, which is oil and gas. And, exactly. and it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. It's going to be around and uh, it's going to be fun over the next. It's not grim. This is not something to, to pout about going forward. This is an opportunity for people. And, there you and go. those that lean in are going to be the ones that, that are successful. Well, Matt, on behalf of David and I and in the Oil Patch Radio Show, we thank you for coming on and talking to us a little bit about what you guys are doing to help this very important industry. That is all the time we have. Thank you for joining us on the In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thanks so much for having us. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.